You are listening to Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists, hosted by Dr. Laura Mock. This is a space where we talk about all things wellness, just for dentists. If you're looking for help treating yourself better, mentally, emotionally, and physically, you're in the right place. Well, guys, I'm so glad to be here again for our second episode. So our topic today is called why we want a glass of wine after dentisting all day. And basically that title explains itself. I'm really going to be going over what is happening in our brain and our bodies after we're working so hard. And I know you guys know what I'm talking about, but let me just introduce the topic. So today I'm going to be coach-splaining to you. I've made up that word and it basically means, as you know, I'm a life coach and I'm going to be explaining to you why when we get home from work, After dentisting, we just want to comfort and soothe ourselves. And of course, the title says wine, but really it could be so many things. It could be Netflix. It could be Facebook. It could be more food than your body really needs or inappropriate types of food like foods high in sugar and processed carbohydrates. We're just going to be talking about what your brain is doing and why it's seeking those soothing things. Okay. And I just want to point out before I start that I'm not actually going to be talking about strategies for changing what your body is doing. I will be talking about that in the future, but for this episode today, there's so much to talk about. I'm just going to be telling you what is happening in your body. Okay. So let's start again with talking about kind of a typical day dentisting. Okay. First of all, it's physically challenging. And anyone who has even spent a day in a dental office understands what I mean. A lot of times you're bent over. You, in ideal circumstances, even with the best patient, you're still bent at a decline like this. How many of you see a chiropractor to work on your neck? I certainly do. And then, of course, in the worst circumstances, you might be seeing someone in a wheelchair or someone that has an inability to lay back all the way. And of course, it's always number 15 that needs to be worked on if they can't lay back. (laughs) The most challenging thing that I find is 14 or 15 MOD with buckle carries. Oh my goodness. Those are so exhausting. And by the time you're done, you just want to go get a massage, right? But um, so you're doing all that intricate work in a place where, I mean, you're basically doing surgery all day long. Doctor of dental surgery means you're working on live tissue, right? And so you're working on that and your patients are awake. They're numb usually, and they're, they have personalities and needs and fears that you have to address as well. So you've got these physically challenging situations And then it's mentally challenging too. I don't know about you guys, but when I have a nervous patient and I am so happy to serve my nervous patients, but it can be so mentally tiring by the time I'm done working with one. And then I just feel like I need to feed my own self for a while that you're multitasking. You've got hygiene patients. The front desk has questions and you need to finish your crown prep. And then, of course, there are the business concerns that are always on your mind. Am I doing enough? What do I need to reinvest in? Do we have enough money for payroll? And the quality pressure, because every time you're doing a hygiene exam, you're looking at last year's work. 
Does it still look nice? Are there any open margins? Are there any cracks? You know, there's just so many things that a dentist does in one day and so many feels that he or she feels. By the end of the day, you're tired. You're beat. I don't know about you guys, but I just want to take care of myself after I've been taking care of everybody else. And I have a confession for you, which is that it's very frequent that I'm in bed on a day that I took care of patients before 8 p.m. Now I can do that now because my kids are older. Maybe some of you have young kids and you have to do what your kids are doing. But that just makes you even more prone to these feelings that I'm going to talk about. So now before I go any farther, I want to explain something that psychology has named the motivational triad. So for living beings, we all seek um, behavior according to these three concepts. The first is that we seek pleasure. So if there's things that we do that feel good to us, then we want to do more of that. And that might be um, seeking warmth, seeking a nice touch, tasting food, eating food that tastes good. And then, of course, the next one is avoiding pain. There's not much to explain there. There's a few people that I know of that like pain, Navy SEALs. A lot of them are kind of like that. I personally do not like pain. I would prefer to avoid that. And that's very common for most living beings. And then conserving energy. Nature wants easier. Easier is better as far as life is concerned. So that's the motivational triad. And now we're going to switch gears for a moment. And I'm going to explain to you how our body as an organism of nature manipulates us into doing what it perceives as important. You guys have probably all heard of a neurotransmitter called dopamine, right? It's the pleasure neurotransmitter. I used to think of dopamine as something so nice. Like when I do something I consider enjoyable, I feel pleasure. And I know that if I want to feel warm and fuzzy, I can do X, Y, or Z and get a nice rush. And I walked through my life assuming that nature gifted this nice neurotransmitter to us as humans to make sure we're having a good time in our journey through this earth. That was totally wrong. (laughs) Dopamine is nature's manipulation, pure and simple. Now hear me out. So nature has goals. You know what I'm talking about if you've ever taken a biology course. The very concept of life you know, like with a capital L, is defined by our ability to pass on genes, to reproduce. And as nature reduces its, reproduces its various forms of life, it perfects what it made. Better and better versions of these forms of life are molded through natural adaptation. Your copy of your organism, so that's like your body in the flesh, wants to survive. So you can reproduce, of course. And your body has been pre-programmed with systems of instincts and feelings that drive you to survival positive behavior. If you want to demonstrate to yourself just how much your body can do to make you stay alive, try holding your breath. Serious. Just try it right now. Your brain knows that you need oxygen and it's got ways to force you into compliance. How long were you able to last? 20 seconds? A minute? Your brain forced you to use your own voluntary muscles to breathe. 
Those urgent sensations of needing to get a fresh breath are those systems that nature has developed over millennia to get you to take action in line with its goals. And the neurotransmitter is one of those systems. So when was the last time your body rewarded you with a nice big shot of dopamine? I bet it was something like this. You ate something sweet, you drank something tasty, possibly alcoholic, you had intercourse, you stayed warm next to a nice fire, or hugged a member of your tribe. This is not accidental. Every action that your brain interprets as being essential for survival or reproduction gets you a reward. My rescue dog, June, will run all over the place and do whatever she wants, but once she sees that I am holding a treat, she stands at attention and waits for me to give her instructions. She will do anything I ask her to so that she can have that treat. And folks, we are not different. Over time, our own organism has trained us to know what actions will get us some of that nice fuzzy dopamine. Every time you take an action that supports your survival, your brain reinforces that action and you learn that you want to do it again and again. Now, 4,000 years ago, this concept would have fit perfectly with our lifestyle. Back then, humans lived in an environment that our bodies were adapted for. Before agriculture, Information technology, capitalism, the food industry, and marketing changed our environment. These new things introduced something called supernormal stimuli. So supernormal stimuli are stimuli that were not in an organism's historical environment. So think frosting or hard liquor. So in the last few hundred years, the environment that is hosting our organisms as humans has changed so quickly that our versions of Homo sapiens have not kept up. Our brain doesn't know that some of the things it's rewarding us for are actually bad for us. And it doesn't realize that if we eat all the things it's encouraging us to eat, we may actually die of heart disease or accumulate 200 extra pounds of stored energy that we're forced to carry on us every day or get liver disease from all that wine. So super normal stimuli. We got booze, we got sugar, we got Netflix, we got Facebook, we've got internet shopping. You can probably think of the super normal stimuli that you prefer in your own life. All of these cause unnatural dopamine rushes where our brains are rewarding us for detrimental behavior. All right, guys. So now that I have explained all that and how your brain is working on nature's goals, let's go back to your day of dentisting. When you're done, you're tired. You haven't been conserving energy. You've been taking care of everybody else. You get home and it's your time and you know which methods of dopamine release rush are your favorite. Most likely, it's a super normal stimuli, right? It's sugar, it's booze, it's Netflix, whatever it is. It's something that didn't exist about 4,000 years ago. Now, our bodies seek this comfort, this reprieve from the pain and the energy inefficiency of our dentisting day. And it's natural that our bodies would seek that. It's just our brains being in their environment, doing the best that they can, even though they're not adapted to what we're experiencing right now. And 
we of course want the easiest method to get our hit because we're tired and we worked all day. Now before I go on, I'm gonna explain one more sciencey thing to you. And this is an experiment that had to do with birds and how they chose what they wanted to do. So there were birds in a cage in a science experiment and they could either touch the blue button or the red button. And depending on which color button they chose, different things happened. So if they touched the blue button, they were allowed to leave their cage and fly around the aviary and just kind of wander around and do whatever they wanted. And that's a pleasurable experience. But if they touched the red button, then they were able to have access to a female who was ready to mate. And that is also a pleasurable experience for the birds. And usually they, they almost always chose the red button. And the reason is because both were pleasurable experiences, but the red button was more conservative with the energy, okay? Now, they took those same birds and they taught them, they gave them a new circumstance, which was they could touch the blue button and they could have the female to mate with, or they could touch the red button and have a tiny hit of cocaine, which gave them a giant hit of dopamine. And once they understood the difference between the buttons, they almost always chose the cocaine. It's more efficient and it's a more sure thing. They're definitely gonna get their dopamine if they hit the red button and use their cocaine. In fact, they were so consistent with hitting the red button that by the end of the experiment, the birds had stopped doing anything but pushing the cocaine button. Their organism in this supernatural, supernormal stimuli situation was always choosing the easy way to get the hit. Now just pretend you're one of those birds and you're tired and you're done dentisting. It's normal, it's natural that your brains will seek the supernormal stimuli, whether it's frosting or noodles or booze or Netflix, whatever it is, it's only natural that your brain wants to do that. Wanting to rely on a super normal stimulus does not mean that you are an addict. And wanting to not rely on it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It just means that you're seeing that there's more to your life. And this is where life coaching really comes in. Life coaching is a process where me, I, or some other life coach helps you see what your brain is doing and helps you see what you want it to do. And if it's not the same, if what it's doing is not the same as what you want it to do, then I can help you retrain your brain and your thoughts so that you are getting the action, the feeling and the actions that you want. This is about having an intentional life that's not hacked by nature's goals. It's about living your most satisfying, intentional life. Now, I would be happy to talk to any of you personally about any problem that you're having or about living intentionally, and you can do that. I'll leave some instructions at the end of this podcast. As always, my first consultation is always free and there's no obligation. I talked to plenty of you one time and I'm happy to do it. And I encourage you to reach out to me because I love 
helping other people with these things. Thank you for listening to Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists. To learn more, please visit thelifecoachforbusydentist.com and take advantage of my current offer for a free, no obligation consultation to find out if having a life coach is right for you. I promise you won't regret it.